Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Well, good morning and welcome to the Big X, 1450 and 96.1. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, but of course, if you're a faithful listener, you know this isn't Matt's voice. He is on vacation today, and you're being joined by Brian Sullivan. I want to thank Matt and Douglas for giving me the opportunity to come in here and host today's show. Uh, If you don't know me, and there's no reason that you probably should, I'm the general manager and the teacher of the WNAS radio and television program over at New Albany High School. Uh, Long history with WXVW. My father actually worked here back in the 1970s. That's the reason why we moved here uh, to the New Albany and Jeffersonville area from Kokomo. And so I've always been a faithful listener of WXVW over the past 40 years. Really looking forward to the show lineup today and to be able to uh, try to do Matt some justice here as he puts a little faith in me to to bring you all today's Friday show. As we look at the lineup today, and that lineup is being brought to you by Honey Bake Ham over in New Albany, we've got three guests that will be with us today. We're going to start off with New Albany football coach uh, Steve Cooley. He has got a big ball game this evening as his team tries to wrap up an undefeated Hoosier Hills Conference championship season. They will be taking on Floyd Central this evening. Weather permitting, we've got some rain in the area right now. Uh, Typically, we won't have any problems going off unless we have lightning in the area. We have not noticed that that is going to be an issue yet, so hopefully everything gets underway at 7 o'clock over at Burke Field tonight. In the second segment, we'll be joined by Dylan Wallace. He is the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. And then we will wrap up today with Kyle Neddenrip from the Indianapolis Star as he makes his weekly visit here. Uh, but we're going to get things started off right now. Big, big contest tonight. The top two teams in the Hoosier Hills Conference standings going into this evening as New Albany and Floyd Central squaring off in their annual battle. And we are joined now by New Albany head coach Steve Cooley. Coach, how we doing today? Hey, um, I'm doing good. Actually, I just got off the phone with Coach Bragg. We're talking about tonight and the elements and uh, contingency plans together and uh, making sure we're on the same page if we do get lightning. So uh, right now we plan on playing at 7 o'clock, and uh, away we go. Now, we have had instances in the past, I believe it was the Bloomington South game last year, where we had weather come in and we didn't get started until 9.30 at night. As you have that conversation with Coach, is it something that – you all are potentially looking, if we had to, just be pushed back later in the evening, or are there contingency plans to come back tomorrow if we did have significant lightning issues? Yeah, what we did with South is we each took a gym, and we basically just kind of uh, you know, got all of the fans out of the bleachers and got them in their cars and protected everybody. You know, Our first goal was obviously the safety of our players and, and the fans, so uh, we took care of that. So Coach Bragg and I were discussing that as far as 
you know, how we can separate the teams and basically give them some area. If, if, if it happens, if there is a lightning delay tonight. You're not cooped up in the locker room for an extra hour or so. But, um, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen and the game kicks off at 7 o'clock and uh, away we go. All right. Now, Coach, when your seniors were freshmen, I seem to recall that we were able to string together an undefeated season at the freshman or JV level. As you were watching that group of players three years ago, did you feel like then it was a nucleus that could one day legitimately compete for conference and sectional championships? And if so, when did that start becoming something that you all were actively uh, setting out there as a goal and talking to the players about? Well, when those kids were in eighth grade and they were undefeated at Hazelwood, and Scribner had a couple of decent players that had blended in with uh, the Hazelwood kids. Um, you know, we knew when those kids were in eighth grade that they were going to be a special group by the time they got to high school. If and only if we could, A, keep them all together, keep them all focused, get them all in the weight room and, and that type of stuff. So we've lost some of those groups of kids, you know, as and some linemen throughout the years. But uh, some kids have moved away, some kids, you know, through attrition. But for the most part, the core nucleus of that kid, that group has stayed with it. Some of them played as freshmen, you know. Uh, Keandre played as a freshman on varsity. And then you know, a lot of those kids started as sophomores the next year uh, after that good freshman year that they had. So, uh you know, we knew they'd be pretty special. It's just a matter of, you know, putting up the time and, uh, and putting the effort in as, when they were 10th grade. So by the time they were seniors, we have a chance to have a special year. And so far, it's panned out pretty good. And we played a tough schedule this year, which is, you know, prepared us for games like tonight, and it was excellent. Well, you mentioned that there. You all opened up with Bloomington South and Gibson Southern, and those are teams currently would have to be included on the short list of favorites for the state championships in 5A and, and 3A, respectively. Not only are you coming out of the gate with maybe the toughest two teams that anyone in the state play, but you're also doing so, I, th- I think you and I talked about it, maybe 17 players at some point in the early part of the season missing games for one reason or another. Two we po- did. We had a couple of key kids down with injuries the first couple games, and then we also had you know the COVID situation where we lost – you know, we lost a safety and a leading tackler and a linebacker. You know, we'd lose them on Wednesday and then play on Friday. And we, I mean, it's just, it's just the nature of what we're dealing with right now. And my goal is next man's up, and we got to try to go 1-0. And, you know, whoever steps up, you know, Friday we lost, you know, our top two running backs, you know, went down early in the first quarter up at Seymour. And, you know, we still put up 47 points with, you know, our third back. And then our fourth back got hurt and hurt his knee. And, you know, it was one of those things that this move has got to play. And we executed a high level. And, you know, we had to, you know, vary our attack. And, you know, Darrell had to run the ball a little bit more. And we had to throw more short passes and put the ball in the hands of our receivers and do some more things. And, and, and we have those plans ready to go for tonight and every week. It's just a matter of, you know, you know, we'd like to run the football and throw the ball down the field. But, uh, you know, we have the ability to do other things as well. Because, uh, you know, Darrell Simmons is pretty talented back there for us. Obviously, when you have those sorts of absences that you mentioned there, you're going to have to work in some younger kids or maybe some of your bench players earlier than you anticipated having to do that. But is there an advantage now having been through the non-conference schedule and having to build up some of that depth that you're seeing some payoff here on the back end now? Yeah, I mean, Elijah Jennings has done a great job at running back for us this year. He's carried the ball hard for us. He's he's picked up the tough yards. You know, we've got some linemen that have come through for us that have really, you know, they weren't in the mix early in the year that have had to step up because of, you know, COVID injuries, vice versa. So, you know, it, it's just really good that, that those kids have got varsity experience this year, and that'll pay big dividends next year down the road when those kids are juniors and seniors. A win tonight would give New Albany back-to-back six-win seasons for the first time since 2004. If you could beat Floyd and then follow it up with a sectional title, it would be just the second eight-win season for the program since 1984. 
when you look back at this uptick in your program's fortunes, what can you pinpoint as some of the changes that you've made uh, in your five or six years there that have allowed for New Albany's improvement? Well, my staff has done a good job. We have good administrative support. I mean, it starts with, you know, Dr. Jenkins and B.J. McAllister. And, you know, the, 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 it's a great place to work, first of all, at New Albany High School. But not just that. Our, our kids have bought into what we're trying to do. You know, they believe we can score with anybody, that we've got a high-octane high offense. And, and it's been that way since I've been here, even when I was an offensive coordinator here. You know, we've scored a lot of points. It's so just for us, we've got to stop people get off the field on defense. And if we can do that, we got a chance to have success in the future. If our defense struggles at times, you know, we're going to be in some shootouts, so we might get beat. So uh, I think they understand that. We told them that from day one, which is why we put so much emphasis on defense. But, uh, you know, it takes longer than a couple of weeks to change the mentality, the culture of, of uh, you know, wanting to go out there and, and hit people and play defense at times. So uh, we're getting there. We've gotten better. And, uh you know, we found some key kids throughout the year. We've got some good young kids that are going to be good players down the road as well. But, uh, you know, having support and, and uh, basically having a staff that, that works hard and is there for our kids and having kids that buy into what we're doing and uh, the, the believe that they're going to be confident they're going to be successful is important. 5-0 and coming into tonight's game in terms of Hoosier Hills Conference action. Uh, it hasn't happened, an undefeated conference run in this area, uh, the immediate area, since New Albany and Floyd did that back-to-back years about two decades ago, as you continue to try and develop the program and build up your feeder system to improve both talent and numbers, how big do you think it would be for you to be able to talk to middle school and elementary school kids that are just getting into the game about championships that you are winning that provides them with excitement and motivation as they start moving towards being in the high oh, school? Oh, it, it's huge. It'll be something else to put on there. You know, we send our kids, young kids Christmas cards and things like that and send them letters. I mean, if we can put, you know, Hoosier Hills Conference champions on there, you know, I mean, I mean that just goes more to the credibility of our program and what we're trying to get done. So I think that's going to, you know, eventually have some long-term effects. So those kids, they want to play. So they want to play for a winner. They want to, they want to have some success. And, you know, they want to play on a team that scores a lot of points. And you would be fortunate been able to do that. Like you all, Floyd Central gets off to a tough start in terms of competition. They open with mail and manual from across the river. But while you had the benefit, even though they, some of them were out early on, you had most of your offensive talent back. Highlanders were definitely in rebuild mode after the loss of Winkers right last year. They're starting to come around a little bit on offense, but it looks like they're getting it done right now on the defensive side. The past four games that they've played, they're holding teams to an average of 14 points. What has impressed you most about Floyd Central over the second half of the season as they've settled into this second position in the conference standings? Well, their corners are very physical. I mean, their safeties are well coached. You know, their linebackers make plays. They've got a nice little blitz package that they run. They run and they move the nose around and shake some people and, and fire some backers too. We worked on all week. And, you know, they've got a field defensive end. It's a returning starter from last year. It's a really good player. Um, you know, they just, they're solid on defense. You know, they do a good job getting off blocks. They have great pursuit. They don't make mistakes. I mean, you've got to line up and, you know, you've got to knock them off the ball and, and, and try to, you know, move the down man and, uh, you know, and, and stay on your blocks as long as you can and get our, let our skill kids make plays. You know, we're going to have to pass protect our butt off tonight to try to pick up their blitzes and pressures and stuff and, uh, you know, and try to hold up to be able to take some shots downfield. But with the weather and the rain, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And we threw the wet ball all day yesterday and, uh, we didn't do bad at it, but, um, you know, in a live action, it's a different deal. So uh, it'll be fun. So I'm excited to see if, you know, our kids play in the rain. I know they'll be excited to get out there and run around and uh, and execute. I had an opportunity to check some of the state statistical rankings uh, yesterday, and you all have now moved up in Class 5A 
uh, to number three in the state of Indiana in uh, scoring average per game. You've got to have some really good weapons to be able to achieve those kind of numbers that you have, averaging almost 40 points a game. What sort of feedback are you hearing, I'm curious, from college coaches about your seniors, especially some of the standouts that you all have got at the skill positions? Well, yeah, that's this whole week. I mean, I spent a lot of time, my time talking to college coaches about our kids and seeing their highlight tapes out. I talked to Coach from Mississippi the other night. I talked to two junior college coaches two days ago about some of our kids, you know, possibly getting them in there. I've talked to a lot of other local area colleges as well, you know, from Big Ten down to MAC to 1AA, you know, NAIA, Division Three. So um, that, a lot of the kids are getting looked at. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, as long as they do their end of the classroom here through the end of the school year, you know, they're going to have great opportunities ahead of them as far as that goes but uh they are getting noticed they are getting looked at it's just a matter of uh, you know things have to fall into place for everything to work out for most of our kids but uh there'll be a place for all of them to go play if they want to go play college football we're talking with new albany head football coach steve cooley and coach before i let you get out of here uh you and i have talked about this in pregame shows that we've done uh, at the high school station in, in prior seasons. New Albany receives the sectional by uh, that in last Sunday's tournament draw. So in the semifinals, you're going to be looking at the winner of either Floyd Central or Jeffersonville. And given that you're seeing one of your potential opponents this evening, what's the tendency or philosophy for coaches in a regular season game like this one? Is there anything that you think, you know, whether it's you or Coach Bragg, maybe going to hold in reserve just in case of a potential showdown so soon after this one, or do you anticipate both teams unloading their full arsenals this evening? Yeah, we're going to do everything we can to try to win the game, and I guarantee they are as well. If that means if they have to on-site kids, kick plays, whatever, I mean, it's going to be an exciting game tonight. We've prepared our kids all week for the on-site kick, and, you know, they like to yeah, you know, the kid to put it in the back of the end zone, but you know we got to be you know ready for the unexpected and you know and uh, something different, unique, and you know it's a big rivalry game, and you know we, we've got a lot of weapons as well, and we've got a lot of stuff we've been working all year long that we haven't even ran yet in games because we scored some points and we really haven't had to resort to some of these things, but uh, so we'll uh, you know we'll do whatever we got to do to win the football game. If that means we got to run it forty times, if that means we have to throw it forty times, I mean that's kind of how it's been all year. Whatever we got to do to go one and zero tonight is is our plan. And, uh, you know, we're not worried about, you know, two weeks down the road because you can put a lot of new plays in the next two weeks and a lot of new things like that. But the bottom line is kids winning and kids losing. And, you know, you got to line up and make plays. And so it's going to be in the kids' hands tonight. We've got a good week of practice, and our players are ready. New Albany Bulldogs 5-3 and three on the season, 5-0 and oh in Hoosier Hills Conference play. It has been 17 years since a team other than Columbus East won the conference championship. New Albany got a big 42-38 win on the road to knock off the Olympians earlier this season and put them in a position uh, to, I think we would say, because of Floyd Central and the Seymour game getting canceled, that regardless of how this turns out, New Albany would be uh, at worst 5-1 and one and conference champions, but I think your team obviously looking for a lot more trying to get the first undefeated conference championship for New Albany in two decades. Yeah, we'd rather not share it. I mean, that's our plan. We want it to be us. We started this, and we plan on finishing it tonight. But, you know, Floyd's a good football team, and we're going to have to play well to do that. And so our kids are focused, and uh, we've got to do everything we can and play as hard as we can, as long as we can, and try to come out on top against a really good, well-coached team. All right, the Bulldogs and the Highlanders, they'll be squaring off, weather permitting. We're hoping it's 7 o'clock over at Burkefield on the campus of New Albany High School this evening. Coach Cooley, thank you very much for taking time out of your preparations today, and best of luck tonight. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for all you guys do for high school sports.
All right, that will be the end of our first segment here. We'll get to a break, and when we come back up, we're going to have Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, joining us to talk a little bit more about high school sports in this, in this area as well as some things IU-related. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Welcome back to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Matt is out today, and so this is Brian Sullivan from WNAS Radio here at New Albany High School, and my appreciation to Matt for thinking of me today. Uh, we were bouncing around ideas of who we could talk with, and finally he said, just keep it simple. Go with who we normally have on here. They'll carry you, and so hopefully uh, with Dylan Wallace of the Seymour Tribune, the sports editor coming up next. He'll be able to carry me through this next segment here. Dylan, welcome to the show once again. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, a lot of pressure. I got I got to carry a bit. Oh, man. <laughs> Usually Matt does a good job at No, no, I'm sure we'll get through this just fine. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Another football Friday. Um, you know, you're over at New Albany. I just I saw New Albany play Seymour. Uh, at Bullet Stadium last Friday, and a uh, good showing for the Bulldogs, I'll, I'll say that. I was going to ask you about that here momentarily and and also about the sectional draw that we had uh, this past weekend, but Matt said, you know, if you come in there and you, you do me a solid, uh, you can talk about whatever you want, ask whatever you want, and I think probably from the media side of things, I'm always curious about the guests that Matt has on, and I get an opportunity on my lunch break over at the high school to be able to listen to the show every day. And so obviously I've heard you with Matt, uh, but for people that have been listening to for a while, you know, they understand that you have just made that shift uh, over to the Seymour Tribune, and you had been working, uh, I believe, with uh, uh, the IU Beach for Sports Illustrated. Is that correct? Yeah, yep. So I'm, I'm curious – uh, from that standpoint, how, how did that come about? Um, you know, when you're looking at where you want to go with your career here and who you're going to cover, uh, what were some of the factors in the decision for you to make that transition from what you were doing previously on the IU beat and making that shift over to high school sports uh, in, there in Seymour? Well, it was interesting. You know, um, I graduated from Indiana University in 2020, and, you know, I, I did a, a couple of high school stuff you know as, as in terms of like internships stuff like that so i was familiar with covering high school sports and after i graduated i was able to land that job at sports illustrated indiana um so, so i did that for you know a couple about eight-ish months i guess um and it took me through about the the basketball season which would have been for those who kind of follow up but that would have been archie miller's final season so he got he got fired right around the time that i left as well um and so, you know, I was covering IU basketball and football and all the other sports that I did, you know, whether I was at the IDS, the student paper at IU, inside the hall, who, who Matt has on on Thursdays, mm -hmm. I worked for them my senior year of college. And so, you know, I was, I was covering IU for kind of five years, essentially, four of those being in school. 
Um, so, you know, I got, I got the one year out of it when I was uh, sort of working. And then when this job came up to be the sports editor at Seymour, you know, I applied for it just to see what it was about. And, you know, when I interviewed for it, I thought the opportunity um, to be the editor and kind of oversee the sports section of a newspaper would be pretty valuable on the resume, a really good experience. And uh, so I made the switch in April. And it's been a really good decision for me. You know, I thought it was a good step in my career. You know, covering college sports in the Big Ten is obviously really big. But I think with the outlet that I was at, uh, to take kind of the next step to be a sports editor um, was definitely uh, something good, especially because I was covering IU for, for five years. You know, I, it wasn't anything new to me when I was doing it for Sports Illustrated because I've been doing it for so many different outlets before that. So to kind of come to a new new neck of the woods, essentially, I'm from the northwest part of the state. Um, they call it the region, kind of by Chicago. So that's where I'm from. So I just keep going more and more south in Indiana, it seems like, as I get older. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, it's been really great over at the Seymour Tribune. I cover Seymour. Uh, Brownstown Central, Trinity Lutheran, Crowleysville, Medora, so those five high schools. And it's been a really positive experience, and I think it's been really good. It's helped me grow as a reporter and editor and just kind of being in, in command of the sports section, essentially, has been really fun. You know, I've enjoyed it a lot, and I think uh, that that was kind of the big reason why I made the switch, and, I, and I've enjoyed it so far. Well, let's give a plug then to the IU Media School because I've got to assume yeah. it's fairly rare uh, even with the way that things have changed in the in the print media here for somebody that's just a year or two out of college to be able to take on an editorship role in a paper so you know what do you think some of the things were there at IU that helped prepare you for this moment in terms of specifically the media school there yeah being at, at IU and in their journalism and sports media departments um, it, it was incredible you know um, and I think most of it is just experience the experience they give you the hands-on stuff that you're able to do you know you know I was covering the the tennis team I did some swimming and diving broadcasts I did a bunch of different things and to be able to to cover you know Indiana basketball at the you know when you're just like 19 20 years old uh you know that's that's a huge beat you know Indiana basketball is one of the most prestigious college basketball programs in the country be able to kind of handle the responsibilities of of covering a, a team like that um, with, with as much views and people that read about it and talk about it and will we'll tweet at you and get your mentions about it, you know, I think that's a really good experience to have. And you get that opportunity at a school like IU. And, and you know, even covering the soccer team when I was a junior, you know, going to the, the College Cup, you know, they were in the Final Four. That was really awesome. The women's basketball team, I've covered them for like three years, and I've kind of seen this, the rise that they've had as a program it's been really cool to watch and be a part of, you know, in terms of covering it. So the IU Media School does a great job, and it's not just, you know, me. I think a lot of kids that I graduated with, a lot of kids my age, have landed jobs at TV stations, other newspapers across, you know, the, the state. So it's been, and even the kind of a bunch of other nearby states like Kentucky, stuff like that. So it's been really good, you know. I think they, they provide a lot of opportunities, and, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, when I graduated, the job, what I was doing as a reporter in college is not too much different than what I've been doing in real life, you know, except for minus the part where I have to take classes, you know, other than taking classes, it's kind of the same, which is really good because they, they really prepare you well for kind of what, what you're going to be doing. Um, so that's, that's the best part about it. And, uh, you know, they've been churning out a lot of really solid professionals um, for a while at the IU Media School. And I know, um, you know, the seniors in, in my class and even the ones who recently graduated, you know, I think a lot of people are finding a lot of opportunities out of IU. So it's been really good. You know, I got to give a shout out to them. I obviously wouldn't be where I was without the experiences and opportunities I got uh, when I was in Bloomington. Well, that's very encouraging because I've got a couple of, of young ladies that came out of our program over at WNAS at New Albany High School that are in uh, that program now up at IU. I know one of our students actually has been doing a lot of uh, soccer coverage and doing broadcast uh, with 
uh, Big Ten Plus. So uh, that is good to know. I can tell them that there's somebody. Here's an example right here in southern Indiana of somebody came out there and, and making good right now. You just mentioned uh, having done the New Albany Seymour game last week, and so obviously the regular season coming to an end this evening. Everybody's wrapping up with their final conference games by and large here, and so I know you know Seymour obviously in action. When you look back, and we just talked to New Albany head coach Steve Cooley in the in the prior segment, uh, you mentioned a little bit about that ball game last week. It was a forty-eight twenty-seven win for the Bulldogs. As we start moving towards sectional action, you've had an opportunity now to see a lot of the teams here in the Hoosier Hills Conference. Do you think that New Albany has got some separation there, or is it still a situation where, depending on the draw, who plays each other, who's hot, that really this could be a little bit more wide open than it's been in years past? Well, I think New Albany is definitely the favorite in the sectional, and I think they should be just because of what they've done so far this season. But, you know, it was interesting. I was I actually talked to Seymour head coach Tyson Moore on Wednesday, and we were just chatting about kind of what he thought of the sectional draw. You know, they, they draw Bedford, a team that they played really close at home um, a couple weeks ago earlier in the season. And, you know, he said that he thinks the, the sectional is kind of wide open. He admitted that New Albany is probably the favorite, but he thinks every team in it, you know, there, there's possibilities – that there's a little bit more openness to it and, and any team can kind of come out and win. Um, I think that that's potentially true. You know, I think new Albany, um, what they showed me last week, just the ability, just the explosion they were able to have, um, especially running the football. Uh, it, it was impressive. You know, I, Seymour had a really tough time containing the run and uh, they were able to run all over the field. So I think that was a big thing for them. Um, we, I have not seen Floyd central play yet because that game was canceled for mm-hmm. Seymour um, because of COVID. I saw them play Jeff. That was a, a kind of crazy game. Jeff jumped out to a 34 nothing lead at halftime. Seymour came back and made a game in the second half. So I'd be interested to kind of see what would happen if those two teams would meet again. But I think it's a favorable for a ball draw for Seymour to get Bedford, a team they only lost by 6-2. Um, and, you know, we'll see what they're able to do. And if obviously if they win, they, they get to the sectional title game. Um, so I think it's a little bit more open. You know, I, I'll be interested to kind of see how it plays out. But I do think New Albany, uh, they're definitely the favorite, as they should be. You just look at what they've been able to do this year. Haven't lost in the Hoosier Hills Conference yet, um, so, that, so that's been a really positive thing. Uh, I know knocking off Columbus East uh, and being kind of the new top dog in the HHC is always a big thing. So uh, I think it's a good, good opportunity for them to come out on top in the sectional. Obviously, football takes precedence uh, in terms of fan interest during the fall. It'll be basketball coming up soon. But obviously, uh, when you're the editor of a paper in a town like Seymour, you're going to have a lot more coverage, not just uh, you know one school. you got five or six schools, like you mentioned. Uh, but if I'm looking at a typical week for you, um, what do you wind up covering? How often are you out there? In some cases, like on a Saturday, how many different events are you seeing? How busy is this going to keep you? Yeah, it's pretty busy. Um, and, you know, we try to spread it out the best we can throughout the the coverage in a certain amount of schools. You know, I try to see all the sports teams we have. Um, uh, luckily, you know, for, for me, of the five schools that I cover, only two of them have football teams. So that makes Friday nights really easy. You know, it's just me and one other guy. We can handle that. No problem. Uh, but when you get to sports like cross-country, volleyball, you know, all the schools have those. So to be able to kind of try to spread that out, it gets challenging sometimes because we have a pretty small staff. So it's not the easiest thing, but I think we do a pretty good job. So, you know, throughout the week, um, you know, I'd say, you know, I'll see, I'll try to see soccer, volleyball, tennis, you name it. You know, I try to see every single sport that I can. Um, But, you know, during the, just like a normal week, which I usually only get to one thing, but on the weekends, you're right. Like, you know, this Saturday, 
we got the the cross country regional, and then later that night we'll have the volleyball uh, sectional finals. Um, so you know there'll be a couple of different things to try to tackle uh, that day. Luckily, the timing works out well. Um, but yeah, as as uh, it's interesting because you know everything's starting to die down a bit now. My soccer teams are all out of the postseason. I got two volleyball teams left. Um, so so the sports are starting to dwindle down a bit here in the fall. And you know eventually in a couple weeks we'll really only have football and then maybe maybe a couple volleyball teams if they're still alive so uh things are dying down a bit and then you know before you know it uh we'll be preparing for basketball swimming wrestling the winter sports season will come up uh right right uh, right, right before i even uh realize it so yeah it's 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 always a busy time and it's i think the, the hardest part is actually when there's not a lot of stuff going on because you still gotta try to find stuff to fill the pages you know so that's when you'll dive into a lot of trying to look for feature work or try mm-hmm. to talk to athletes get some individuals cool stories out of that um, and you do less kind of game coverage stuff, which is always fun. You know, you try to mix up the coverage, give, try to tell cool stories about the community and athletes in that. So that's always fun. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty busy right now, and the postseason's in full force. Um, so with football and volleyball, it'll be an exciting next couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's going to be over soon, and then, you know, we'll hit winter sports running, as you said, with basketball coming up. I assume because of how busy they keep you, you don't get to spend as much time focusing on IU like you have the past five years. But I do – want to talk about the football team as they are prepared to go into action tomorrow. Uh, just curious from what you've seen or what scuttlebutt you've heard, you know, it's a team that's two and three uh, going into tomorrow's game against Michigan State. They started off ranked in the top 25. Obviously, stuff's not clicking or gelling quite the same way it did last year. And yet I'm looking at those three losses and going, you know, Iowa's ranked number two right now. Cincinnati's at number three. Penn State is at seven. Uh, with that loss to Iowa last week. So, you know, how big a game is this tomorrow as they take on an undefeated top 10 Michigan State team? Um, could things spiral out of control uh, w- with Michigan and, and Ohio State still on the schedule? Or is this a game that could kickstart some things and bring back some of that uh, magic that they had in 2020? I mean, how much of a must-win game do you think this might be for the Hoosiers tomorrow at noon? Yeah, you'd never want to say it's a bus win game just, you know, five games into the year or something or whatever it is, um, but it, it really feels like it. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to kind of look at this IU team and you try to balance like, okay, is it, are they just not as good as we thought they would be? Are they, is it just the product of their schedule? I mean, they've literally lost to three top five teams in the country. And I think it might be a little bit of both. I mean, the schedule is obviously ridiculously hard. They should they could have had that Cincinnati game, but I think it's the way they've looked in the games like Iowa, in the mm-hmm. games like Penn State, not being able to get in the end zone at all, not being able to do a lot of really good things on the offensive side of the ball, not being able to move the ball at all. I mean, those are the concerning things when you just watch it. You're like, wow, what's going on with this team? Uh, yes, the other teams are very good, but still, you know, Indiana – should should have at least some success, should at least score a touchdown in those two Big Ten games they've played so far, and they have not. So I think that's been the concerning thing is how they've looked in the losses. Um, so, you know, coming into this Saturday, it's homecoming, should be a pretty good crowd. I don't think all hope is lost yet within the IU faithful. I think everyone's going to come out and have a good time. It's an early game, which is always fun. Um, you know, I don't know how good this Michigan State team is. I mean, they, they almost lost to Nebraska a couple weeks ago. Um, they beat Western Kentucky, who, who IU also beat this year. 
Um, you know, they haven't played anyone too hard yet, and, and I do think – I'm not sure if they're a top-10 team, but they are definitely a lot better than, you know, the Michigan State team we've seen the last couple of years. Um, you know, Mel Tucker's a really good head coach. When he came in, a lot of people thought he would turn that program around. He's done it, he's done it pretty quickly. And obviously they have that stud running back, Kenneth Walker. I mean, he's going to be a force, and uh, he's going to have to keep him in check the best they can because he's been really amazing this year. So those are the kind of the challenges. But I, I do think this is a very winnable game. It's at home, and I think it's kind of a must-win. As you said, they have Ohio State at home the following weekend and you have to go to the big house in Michigan at some point. And, you know, Michigan, whether or not they deserve to be a top 10 team, who knows, but it's still going to be a tough place, tough place to go there and try to win a game. So, you know, if you look at that, if you lose, um, you know, Michigan state, Ohio state, Michigan, that's six losses. You need to win the rest of your games to even make a bowl game. So this is a very important game for Indiana. You need to get this win, head to Ohio state with some momentum because, uh, you know, it's a night ABC primetime game again on the 23rd next weekend in Bloomington, so that'll be a really exciting environment. It's a sold-out game as well. So I think it's a huge game. We don't know who's going to be quarterback. You expect it's Jack Tuttle, but, you know, Tom Allen said we'll see until noon and kickoff um, with Michael Penix and kind of how he's dealing with, with the arm injury. So we'll see on that front. But I do think it's a very important game. I think they need to win it because uh, just the schedule and even even the other games of schedule, you have to go to Maryland, Minnesota comes to town. I mean, these aren't, aren't walk through, walk over easy games anymore that we thought they might be earlier in the season, you know? So it's not guaranteed that if you lose Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, and you need to run the table the rest of the way, it's not, it's not guaranteed you could, you're able to do that. So this is a huge game for Indiana, kind of get them back on track a bit, um, get, you know, get a top 10 victory. That'd be huge for them. Um, and then, you know, you know, you see what, what happens from there. You get some momentum heading into Ohio State. You hope you're at least competitive in that game. Um, so I think it's a big, it's a big game for them for sure. Um, I think it could definitely write, write some things for this. It could be a get-right game for them. It could be a, a way to turn the season around a bit. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. You know, I think it'll be a tough test for sure, uh, but I think it's definitely winnable, and I think it's one they have to win. Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, and uh, we will see you here uh, this winter. New Albany and Seymour will face off in boys and girls basketball, so I will make sure to – track you down and introduce myself and thank you for helping to carry us through this uh, second portion of the show today yeah absolutely i appreciate it have a good one thank you dylan all right when we come back for the final segment we're going to have kyle nedenrip of the indianapolis star and we'll have a whole range of topics to discuss with him this is the hoosier report with matt dennison brian sullivan filling in today on the big x 1450 We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Good morning, rather, and a programming note and remind everybody that when we wrap up here at noon we'll have john spears coming in for his friday show as well but before that we're gonna have our final segment here of the morning with kyle nedenrip from the indianapolis star kyle welcome aboard don't think i've talked to you since probably the romeo years <laughs> well i think i saw you at the uh indian all-stars last year briefly but uh, you were you were on the call so i didn't uh 
get a chance to talk to you very long, but good to, good to hear from you. That is true. We're down in Owensboro. They're trying to hit up all the barbecue restaurants before we went on the <laughs> air there. Um, you know, whether it's sports writers or coaches, uh, in my experience, most of us who have found our way into sports-related fields started off as fans first. So for me, I was pretty obsessive about high school basketball, maybe as early as fourth grade. And had the good fortune of growing up in Indiana, so I'm well-versed in all the lore. For years, I have talked with basketball fanatics around here about, wouldn't it be great if you, you know somebody could put something together, you know, a two-day package where you could go see the Milan Museum and the Hall of Fame and then you know maybe go to a game at Hinkle Fieldhouse to watch Butler and then you know watch the Pacers play at night. And, and then, you know, it's a hypothetical. But then last week, I'm reading uh, your partner over at the Star, Greg Doyle, talk about the Indiana Sports Corps arranging a meeting discussing that very possibility. What kind of traction do you think that this could actually get? And then aside from the obvious spots, maybe I just mentioned, what are some of the interesting places that you have been since you got here and started doing your writing that the casual fan, you know, especially maybe down in our area, might not know about? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of them that, you know, aren't, uh, you know, I don't know if they're accessible to, you know, if you could just walk in like the wigwam, for instance, you know, and I I know there's a, you know, there's been a push and there, I think there's still some, you know, hope that they can reopen that place and, and, you know, get games played there again. And I, to be honest, I, I haven't talked to, you know, I checked in with Donnie Bowling, who's coaching there now, and I know they're still trying to make that happen. I don't know exactly where that stands, but, uh, you know, I had a chance to visit there when, and this is kind of an aside, but, you know, when it, when it closed and, you know, but I, I knew someone there was able to get in and I did a story about it. And it was like a ghost town, you know, there was still, you know, there was still stuff in the uh, locker rooms. It looked like it, you know, people just up and left all like something happened and people just, you know, just walked out one day and never returned. And it, it was kind of eerie really, but, uh, you know, places like that, I think, and there's a, there's so many, you know, I did my book years ago on the, the, the old gyms that are still in these towns that, you know, are community centers or elementary schools. And, you know, those places are really neat. I mean, and a lot of places like that still have up the, you know, if they want a sectional championship and the, the old photo is still up and I had such a blast, you know, that's probably been 12 years ago, but you know, going around to these places in the state that maybe people don't know about as much as, you know, Hinkle Fieldhouse or, you know, uh, Newcastle Fieldhouse or places like that. But, you know, just little little spots on the map. And, you know, because of, you know, working for the Star, I was able to get into a lot of those places where maybe you, you couldn't otherwise. But, you know, those are those are neat. Those are places I enjoy that are maybe a little bit off the beaten path. But, you know, I think it's a great idea. I don't, you know, a lot of those places that they mention, you know, I think most people know about or, are familiar with, but, uh, you know, maybe the, it, it shines a spotlight on, on them a little bit more and maybe it gets more people into those, you know, it, kind of making it a more of a, uh, a formal uh, situation, I guess, maybe kind of would probably help with that. So I, I think it's really cool. I mean, I, I read Greg's article and, you know, those are, those are some, some really neat ideas, but, you know, I would just say, you know, the, the places that, you know, that I go to a lot or, you know, the, the, the gyms package we did here this past March, the biggest gyms in the state, you know, that's a good place to start. You know, I, I cover a lot of games at Southport Fieldhouse, and I think that's the, my, maybe my favorite place to cover a game. But there's so many like Elkhart or, you know, Newcastle or, you know, Seymour, as, they, as you know, has had some great uh, games. And my, my goodness, that, that New Albany-Warren Central game <laughs> You know, that'll only grow in lower as the years go by. It was such a great atmosphere and, and uh, you know, just just a great game in general. But, 
you know, there, there's a lot, I mean, I would say, but I, I kind of enjoy the smaller, you know, maybe the, the by the wayside type of places that, uh, you know, maybe aren't as, aren't as well known. Is there anywhere on, maybe you have a bucket list where you, you've heard about it or people have recommended that you go to that you haven't had an opportunity to get out and see that you'd like to while you're doing your covers at some point? Yeah, I, there, there's quite a few. More of the ones, like, I've never actually covered a game at Elkhart. I've been in there, but I've never covered a game there, or, you know, Connorsville even. You know, I, I've been there, I've been in the gym, have not covered a game there, you know, and it depends on, you know, how good those teams are or what the, you know, who the teams playing are at the time. But, uh, you know, there is uh, West Washington. I actually went down there for another story uh, a couple of years ago, and it's a, it's a great little bowl, um, you know, little, little or sort of a mini Newcastle type mm-hmm. of a, a gym, like Edinburgh's that way too. And, you know, those are, I think those are my favorite style of gyms where you walk in and everything's below you, uh, no matter what the size of, because those are the places that have the best seating. I think you could sit in the top row and you have a great, still a great vantage point. So, you know, I think those, those, those are a couple, I mean, I, I can't think, you know, there's a lot off the top of my head that I just haven't, you know, haven't been to yet, but, uh, you know, I'd say some of the some of those bigger ones. I'd still like to, you know, watch a game there, especially if it's a, a bigger crowd. Uh, it can feel kind of empty though, and then that's kind of part of the kind of, kind of the sad part of it is that some of these bigger gyms they just don't draw like they used to, like Muncie Fieldhouse or, you know, some of those bigger places. Unless it, you know, unless they kind of have a revival, um, you know, a team that's really good. You know, I know Marion's been that way, and I've covered a lot of games at Marion. I love that they've done a great job renovating that place and, and making it a um, you know, sort of a museum slash uh, arena. So, I, you know, places like that that really care about their history, I think uh, that that kind of adds to the flavor of it too. But, you know, there's a lot of them. I mean, I go to places all the time. It's like, man, I, I, whether I'm there for a different story, I always kind of manage to, uh, you know, walk through the gym, you know, just to to just to say I've been through it and, and see what it looks like. But, uh, you know, that you get caught up in the day-to-day of, you know, being at a newspaper and you're covering your own area so much that, uh you know, sometimes you just can't get to those places during the season. Another big story out the past week or so was the decision by the IHSAA to institute a running clock for basketball games this year. For all the discussion that's raged in recent seasons over whether to add a shot clock or not uh, to the high school game, this one kind of slipped a little under the radar for me. So as with football, I believe if the margin hits 35 points, then we've got the so-called mercy rule going to effect for folks that haven't seen the details yet can you give a little bit more of an overview of what this change is going to entail yeah so essentially it's a 35 point second half rule which is basically what the football rule is and you know once it goes over 35 or at 35 i guess it remains that way no matter what the score is from that point on which is uh the same thing as football so you know that'll go into effect this year actually i talked to uh paul Nightig about it back in july and he was expecting it to happen it was a originally a 30 point rule and i think it would have been at that point if i remember right it would have been where uh the clock would uh, go back if uh you know if they got back under 30 which is what uh that's what when i was in missouri that's what it was you know if it got back under 30 in the fourth quarter you know the clock would go back to normal timing and and that sort of thing but but anyway, that's what, uh, and I, uh, to be honest, I did not uh, really think that it would be a huge deal. You know, I, I thought uh, people sort of knew about it. People I talked to and you know, the IBCA, you know, and then I thought, you know, I, I sort of maybe, and it may be a, a more vocal minority that, um, you know, where you get feedback from and social media is kind of that way anyway. But, 
you know, I was surprised by the reaction to it. And I think it's one of those things too. And maybe a couple of years, we won't really think as much about it. And you know, I think anybody who's in maybe a situation like that, where it's a 40 point game in the fourth quarter, you're not too concerned about uh running clock situation, but I do feel, you know, I, I do wonder, and I, I you know, those, those moments where the guy gets in off the end of the bench or girl gets in off the end of the bench, the senior, uh, who doesn't get to play as much, you know, those are some of the best moments, I think, in, in high school basketball, and, you know, where the, the student section's cheering for them or chanting their name even. And, you know, so I hope we don't miss that and that, that you'll still have a 32-minute game and you can call timeouts and, you know, the clock stops on free throws and stuff like that. So it's, it's you know, it's not completely running clock. So I, you'll still have that, I think. But, you know, I just hope you don't miss out on too much of that type of stuff because those are always – uh, really cool moments and good for those players who have stuck it out uh, despite not being able to play very much. So, you know, that's one thing. That's one area where I, 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 you know, I could see some concern with it. But as far as player development and things like that, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I You know, those kids should be playing at the developing and practice and JV levels. And, you know, gosh, there's so many games non-school year-round now that, you know, they're they're getting plenty of game time in away from the school team. So, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that quite as much, although I can understand that. But uh, I think in a couple of years it'll be it'll just be one of those things we'll kind of be used to it. And, and you know, I don't know that it's necessary as much in basketball as football. Personal opinion, but uh, you know, I think it's it's probably here to stay. We're here with Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, we got just a couple moments left here. Down in this area, we're all familiar with the story of Damon Bailey and the interest that he got from Bob Knight when he's in eighth grade. And I think part of the reason it jumped out to so many was the novelty of that. 35 years later, it's not exactly commonplace, but we do hear about it more. And just here this past couple days, uh, Jalen Harrelson, uh, 6'6 point guard from Fishers High School, up in the Indianapolis area, picks up an offer from Mike Woodson and IU, and he also had one uh, from Maryland the day prior. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, or is he so young, not having played a high school game yet, that you don't even know anything much about the kid at this point? Well, normally I wouldn't, but uh, you know, there's the rare uh, rare cases where you do, and I did get out and see him play uh, out at the underclass, or not the uh, the uh, freshman showcase out there. Prep Hoops had a, a prep sh- freshman showcase, and you know, I had seen there's two kids in that class, Trent Sisley from uh, Heritage Hills and, and Jalen Harrelson from Fishers, who uh, they went head-to-head in that deal. And both of those guys, I'd seen Sisley actually play more than Harrelson, um, you know, over the last, you know, several months, you know, in the summer some. I hadn't seen either one of them that much, but was very aware of them and watched them go head-to-head. You know, they're both six, about 6'7 six, uh, or so, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and uh, very good player. I mean, those those guys definitely will be, you know, high major uh, players, and you wouldn't be getting offers, obviously, if that wasn't the case. But Harrelson uh, handles the ball better than I expected. Sisley is super athletic, um, you know, working on his shot, but, you know, has has good guard skills uh, for a kid his size. People might remember Blake Sisley played. He was a, a senior last year, went to Evansville. So I think both of those two guys, I, I'd put them together uh, in the same group as being – uh, guys to watch in that class and they're they're somewhat similar both very good offensive players and you know obviously still working uh, to get stronger defensively and all that but both handle the ball really well both can shoot um, it was fun to watch them go head to head and uh, that'll be a, a you know to see what those two do uh, you know will be a lot of fun here these next few years but yeah, I don't normally know a whole lot about kids who haven't even played high school yet but in that in that case uh, Harrelson is definitely 
uh, a kid to watch and, uh, you know, seems to have a, a, a really bright future ahead of him. Um, you know, you always get a little leery of putting too much pressure on kids like that. But uh, I think I think both those guys, Harrelson and Sisley, will be ready to handle it. Kyle, 10 seconds. Who you got tonight? Center Grove or Cathedral? Top two teams in the state squaring off in football. I, I said 2016 uh, Center Grove. And it's going to be a mud a mud fest, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have fun up at that one, and uh, I appreciate you coming on with us today. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. All right. I want to thank Douglas and Matt for letting me fill in today on the Hoosier Report, and we will be back at it on Monday. Thank you for everyone, and we'll see you soon.